0: learning a lot about the bible as we've been uh using the analogy of football and um that was an amazing catch wasn't it wasn't the game you know we've been learning that uh you know the the quarterback the team they have a they have a playbook and they all know the playbook they have their little huddles and they communicate things, and then the receiver, he runs out. He does exactly what the quarterback tells him to do. And if he is in position, he can receive, make a touchdown. But if he is out of bounds, nobody's even going to throw him a pass if he's out of bounds because it, it don't mean nothing. It's no good, you know. What we've been talking about, this is the third week, settle for less. Or receive, you know, receive God's best. And the truth of it is, in uh, the book of Jeremiah, it tells us that God's plan for you is good, is not evil. It's to give you hope and to give you a future. God wants to bless you. Somewhere down the line, somebody has put in the the minds of mankind that God is up there with a big stick, ready to bap you over the head or the knuckles or something, You know, uh, if if you step out of line. But that's not the God that I know. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God loves you. And he forgives you. Does God give you a second chance? And a third? And a fourth? See, there's one word, another. He gives us another chance because he loves us. He cares about us. And he wants us to learn the playbook. So... As we're out here on the football field of life, we can excel and we can do our best and we can receive God's best. But we've got to be in the right position. If we've got unforgiveness in our heart, toward anybody, we're out of bounds. You know, It's slim to none that we're going to receive very much from God when we're bitter towards somebody else because the Bible says we can't do that. We're not in the right position. And we've been learning a lot about the Bible, you know, which is God's playbook that tells us how to be in the position to receive God's best. No matter what's going on in this world, we can receive God's best if you want to. It's up to you. It really is. You know, what would would your life be like right now if you were in God's will? I mean, smack dab in the center of God's will what would your life be like? Would it be different than it is now? Yep and no. Maybe it would. If we were in the center of God's will, but that's what we want to do. We want to to be part of the huddle. We want to, to learn from the quarterback. We want to be in the right position so when we turn around, boom, we receive God's best in our life. We want to know His will and to do His will. In our lives, That's what we want. Well, let's look at the book of Matthew, chapter 6 here, verse 5. And Jesus is talking. Listen to what he says. He says, when you pray, not if, because as a follower of Christ, we ought to be praying. You know, it says in the book of James, you have not, because you ask not. But we need to know how to ask. But Jesus says here in Matthew 6, 5, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. You know any hypocrites? What does the word hypocrite mean? Fake, a fraud, phony baloney, you know? It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. They're praying not to communicate to God, they're praying to look very religious in front of other people's eyes. And Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogue where everyone can see them. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. When you pray to be seen by people, your prayers aren't going to be answered. All you get out of it is people's all you. How many of you would rather have your prayers answered? I would. So, he goes on to tell us in verse 6, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. The Bible teaches us you don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself teaches us in John... He says don't ask me for anything but ask the father in my name and when he taught his disciples how to pray when they asked him what did he tell them to do we'll pray like this what our father he says go to the father when you pray so in verse 6 he says but when you pray go away by yourself shut the door behind you don't you pray more honestly when you're by yourself I mean if the truth was to be made known if I ask you to come up here and pray for us, and there's a time to pray corporately together and pray with your family and things like that, but are you going to confess your sins out loud if you're praying in public? No! no. You know, because you're thinking, well, everybody's watching me. Uh, what should I say? We're more concerned about what people hear us say than what God thinks of what we say, you know? So he says here, and this is the way to do it, most effectively, when you pray go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your Father in private, then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. You will receive His best when you do it God's way. You follow what the playbook says. You know, the quarterback says, you know, our play and, you know, number this and that and other. Do that. You go out there, you be where He tells you to be, you turn around, bam, you receive. Because you followed the playbook. You followed what the quarterback told you to do. 1 John chapter 3 verse 22 it says and when and and we and and we now who is we? Turn to your neighbor and say that's talking about you okay? And me it's talking about you and me. It says and we will receive from him whatever we ask that wake somebody up here I was like we will, we, we will receive, God's best, we'll receive whatever we ask. Say, like, oh, right, man, that's my kind of praying. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask. And here's that word because. See, so there's a condition in there because we obey. That word obey means to comply with and to act upon, you know. The the quarterback says, I want you to do such and such, and, and, and you comply. Yes, sir. And then you act upon it. And you run down there, you do what he tells you to do, turn around, boom, you receive. Because you did what the quarterback told you to do. And it says here, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Does it please the quarterback if you're standing over there and you're running out of bounds? Does that please him? You think he's going to throw you a pass? No way! He'll just be throwing the ball away. So we need to find God's playbook, what he says. Learn his will. You can settle for less your whole life long, and we've settled for less a lot of times, when in fact you could be receiving God's best. Don't go out of bounds. Stay in bounds. Be in the right position, and you'll receive that pass. Step over the line. Make a touchdown. So he says, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, you have to believe in Jesus and love one another. What happens if you don't love one another? Out of bounds. Are you going to receive much when you're out of bounds? Not hardly. Say, but you don't know that person. You don't know. God loves you, don't he? And he knows you. And he loves you. You think it might be sometimes hard for somebody to love you? One honest soul here. But the Bible says love is not a feeling, see. It's not a feeling. We just love because he says to do so. And he gives us the ability to love. And he says here, and love one another just as he commanded us. Verse 24 says, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. You you remain in fellowship. And see, it's a whole lot better to have a relationship with the quarterback. Not just, well, I know some of the I know a few of the plays in the playbook. I don't really know the quarterback that well. Do you think they would play as an awesome team if they didn't know each other? It's really important that the receiver knows the quarterback, knows his nature, knows what he's going to do. You know, and you and I have been granted to have a relationship. See, a lot of people settle for religion, and and I I tell people when they ask me, "I'm not a very religious person." You're a pastor. You're religious. I'm not religious. You can be very religious. And and, and religion is basically just doing all the external stuff. But your heart is not in it. Do you know who crucified Jesus? The religious people. Very religious. Anyhow, he says here, verse 24, 1 John 3, 24, says, Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. There's something awesome about being in a relationship with God. Not just, well, I know a couple of plays out of the playbook. No, but I know. I know the quarterback. You know, I know the coach. You know, I I know them. Listen to what it says in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32. It says, the people. Now, would you look back to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. All right? He says, the people that do know their God. Shall be strong and take action. Another translation says, and do exploits and do amazing and great and mighty things. The people who know their God shall be strong and take action. You know the quarterback, and you're going to be strong, and he says, I want you to do this. Got it. And you take off, you do what the quarterback tells you, boom, you turn around, receive an amazing pass. You make a touchdown. You you can settle for less. Well, I'm not going to do it by the playbook. I'm not going to stay in bounds. Well, then you'll receive very little of what's available to you on the football field of life. We have a playbook. We have a coach. We have a quarterback. And if we'll follow the instructions, it's there. It's amazing what happened. And if you know God, not just know rules and regulations about him, but it says the people who do know their God shall be strong and take action. When I was a teenager, I knew about God. But before I got into my 20s, I actually got to know him in a real personal way, in a relationship where I talked to him and God communicates to me. He loves you. God is crazy about you. And he is genuinely the God of another chance. He cares about you. He's got awesome plans for you to give you hope and to give you a future. That's God. He's not mad at not one of you here. He loves you and is willing to make things right. Let's get back in the game of life. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus is talking and he says, When you pray, not if, but when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. Some uh, religions have man-made rules. They're not gods. And, and, and they just babble on and on and say the same prayer like over and over and over. And, and I've told you, some of, some of you here, and you've told me, "Oh, when I was a kid, I had to go in and I had to pray this prayer like 50 times. I know some of them had, had to pray it a 1,000 times. It was really bad. Does that impress God by you just reading or just... You know, parroting a phrase over and 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 over. Don't you get kind of bored with over and over and over and over? The Bible says, Jesus is telling says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think, they assume wrongfully, they think their prayers are answered. Merely by repeating their words again and again. It's a tradition. It's a man-made tradition. Nowhere in the Bible does God say to repeat it over and 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 over How many of you like getting a form letter from somebody? It's just on a copy machine, just zoom, 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 you know. And they can send you 10,000 of them. They all say the same thing. Do you want to read them all? I don't think so. Is that a close relationship? You know, you go to the quarterback and, 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 and you just tell the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. That's not a relationship, you know? And Jesus said, don't do that. That's what he says. But some people don't cling to their traditions. They're going to do man's way. Listen to what it says in the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 5. It says, so the Pharisees, and teachers of the religious law, they asked him, Jesus, why don't your disciples follow the age-old tradition? You ever know people who say, well, this is the way we've always done it. Does that just make it right because that's the way you always did it? You might have always been doing it wrong. It's possible, right? So it says in the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, they asked him, Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Now, don't misunderstand me, folks. I believe you ought to wash your hands before you idiot. You know? But they weren't talking about having your hands clean before. They, they had a certain way that they poured water over their hands, and it meant this and meant that. And they were washing this and washing that all day long, Ceremony and traditions. It was man-made traditions. And they're asking Jesus, why don't your disciples follow the age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. That was what the religious people did. And Jesus replied, verse 6, what's he call them? You hypocrites! <laughs> Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, and this is, he was speaking on God's behalf. And Isaiah, it says, These people honor me with their lips. And you know talk is cheap. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're going through the motions, but their heart is somewhere else entirely. And he picks up here in verse 7. He says, their worship is a farce, a circus, a mockery, absolutely a disgrace. Jesus is the one talking here. He says their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. You wouldn't believe how many times people have told me, you know, well, Pastor Ron, you know what it says in the Bible? You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. You know what it says in the Bible, Pastor Ron? God helps those who help themselves. And I've said numerous times, okay i will got to give you $1,000 to show me the verse. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever showed me the verse yet. We have been led to believe our man-made traditions is from the Bible and because we didn't bother to look in the playbook and figure it out for ourselves. And we're tricked into doing things that's tradition. It's just human tradition. Listen to what he says here. In verse 7 again, it says, "...their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments from God. This one says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21, it says test, which means to prove, to check it out. It says test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Test it. As a kid, I just believed everything they told me until I started finding out that people lie. And that everything that was told to me that was in the Bible was not in the Bible. They just made it That way to give it some oomph to it. Well, you know what the Bible says. It don't? Well, it should say. No. Check it out for yourself. Test it. You know, you get in there, learn the playbook, and know what God's will really is. Picking up here in verse 8, in Mark chapter 7, we've been reading about these man-made traditions. Jesus is talking. He says in verse 8, he says, For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition.'" Verse 9, Jesus said, Then he said, You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. You reject the commandments of God so you can do your man-made rules and regulations. And I'm going to tell you something. You go to a quarterback, how long is a player going to stay on there? He goes like, Well, I reject the playbook. I'm going to write my own playbook and play that away. How long is that guy going to be on the team? That quick. He's gone. He's history. He's a nobody. You don't know about him. Because he will not follow the playbook. That's the official playbook that everybody goes by. See, traditions are not necessarily bad unless they conflict with what the Bible says. And when it conflicts with the Bible, read through the whole book of Mark chapter 7. Over and over and over, they were rejecting the commandments of God, the laws of God, and holding to their man-made traditions. Their traditions that they came up with was more important to them than doing things God's way. All right, going back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, I'm going to read this to you out of the Message Bible. It kind of jumps up and grabs you by the collar and gets your attention. It puts words that we understand, and I like it. And it says here in Matthew 6, 5, it says, And when you come before God... Don't turn that into a theatrical production. Oh, thou most mighty, most high, majestic, holy one in heaven. Now, if you talk that way to your family, then you can talk that way to God. But if you don't talk that way to your family, well, don't talk to God that way. That's hypocrisy. You go, Father, help! That's an honest prayer. God understands that. But Jesus said, don't do the theatrical. Let let me read it again. Matthew 6, 5. And the message, it says, when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. A closet. I like to go up on the mountain, go take a hike, you know, get away from everything and just be alone with me and God, hang out there. He says, here, verse 6, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. If you know nobody else is hearing your prayers other than God, you'll be honest. Just be there. As simply and honest as you can manage. Be real with God. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense His grace. His grace is His enabling power, His favor, His best, His blessings upon you. You'll begin to sense that when you'll get along with God. And it says in verse 7 the world is full of so called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're only performers. And when they're performing, the only good they got out of it is being seen. God didn't pay no attention to them. says they're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling or, or marketing techniques for getting what you want from God. See, they're, they're driven by rules and regulations and not driven by a relationship. A relationship with the quarterback relationship with the king of kings. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says, Don't be like them. Don't be like those hypocrites, those play actors. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Do you know where the kingdom of God is? The kingdom is wherever the king is. Now, see, Jesus was teaching them how to pray before he was crucified and resurrected. And he told them, you know, pray like this, may your kingdom come soon. But let me tell you, his kingdom's come. And let me tell you how we should pray that part now. We should just acknowledge it. Father, I acknowledge that your kingdom has come. And King Jesus is ruling and reigning on the throne of my heart. Your kingdom has come. Your will is being done on this earth as it is in heaven. And he says that right here in verse 10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will, or what pleases you, may your will be done on earth. What part of the earth are are we praying about? Yes, but where does it start? May your will be done right here in this little circle where I'm standing. May your will be done there. And when I'm in my car, when I'm at my business, and when I'm at my home, may your will be done in and through my life as your will is being done in heaven. And may it start there. May it continue to expand through all those who's under my influence, in my sphere of influence. See, that's what he's teaching us to pray. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what his will is? exactly right. How many times and as a kid, this is the way I was taught to pray. You pray, oh God, please do this, please do this, please do this, please do this, if it be thy will. And God's going, why don't you find out what my will is before you come and ask you all that stuff. Imagine the wide receivers coming back here and and, 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 and the uh, quarterback is saying, I want you to do this a, well, if it be thy will. It's like, read the playbook. Read the playbook. It's my will. Do this and that. You know. Find out what God's will is. He's given us the playbook. Learn the plays. Learn how to pray. Learn what not to do. Learn what to do. May your will be done in my life as it's being done in heaven. In the book of John, there was a woman. She was. The story is talked about the woman at the well you know, she met Jesus there. The disciples had gone into town to buy some provisions and all. And Jesus is there. This woman comes up, and, and they started talking. And he really ministered life to her. And she ran back into the town and told everybody. And here we are in John chapter 4, verse 29. It says, and the woman's talking. She says, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. This is a woman who, who met Jesus. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. I mean, he'd been working all day long, you know, talking to people, ministering to people. I mean, power was going out of him. They had gone into the town. They had gotten something to eat. They brought some food back for him. And they're saying in verse 21, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And then in verse 33, he said, did somebody slip him a peanut butter jelly sandwich? Did somebody? You know, I always love to have opportunities when I can eat in church. I actually made this myself. This is uh, it's gluten-free. It's actually raisin bread and peanut butter and jelly. I actually put the peanut butter and jelly on my... Grape jelly, too. Mm. Just right. Mmm. Wow. It would sure be a lot better with a cup of coffee. Boy, if I only had a cup of coffee to go with that. Woo. Hint, hint, that's only... Oh, I wouldn't ask you to impose on nobody to get me a cup of coffee. (laughs) Oh, wow! Awesome, John! Ah, man, that's great. Oh, I'm sorry. Y'all still here? Okay, let me see. Where were we at? Okay, verse 33. The disciples said, Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained. He said, My nourishment, my provisions, and my strength comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus says the thing that sustained him and nourished him <clears throat> was not the food that they had bought at the market. I don't know if you can understand that or not. But when that wide receiver he hears what the quarterback says and he runs out there and he's in the right position and when he sees the ball this rainbow arc coming and he jumps way up in the air and he grabs that ball and makes a touchdown. Do you think that nourishes him? Woo, he's Superman after that, you know? And Jesus says, the thing that nourishes me is doing the Father's will, following what he says in the playbook. The thing It don't nourish us when we're out of bounds. It's like, hey, it looks like the game's passing me by. You ever felt like life is passing you by? Get back on the football field of life. Get the playbook. Learn the playbook. Learn communications, a relationship with the quarterback, Jesus, and, and do what he says to do. Be where you need to be and receive his best. Man, that, that will pump you up. It will inspire you. It will nourish you. Jesus says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. See, the true sustenance of life. That which really sustains us is to do what pleases God. To do what he created us to do. To be what he wants us to be. To accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. Man, that's what really satisfies us. Listen to what it says here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It says, Jesus said, it takes more than bread or peanut butter and jelly to stay alive. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. That's what sustains us, is hearing God's word. It's like food for our soul. It sustains us. And when we hear his word and we take it into our our mind, into our heart, and then act upon it, it nourishes us and it gives us strength that, that can come from nowhere else. Amazing strength to accomplish what he's called us to do. Listen to what it says here in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. And again, I'm reading out of the Message Bible. It just uses some words that wakes us up to hear it like for the first time. Matthew 6, 30, it says, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen... Now, did you know that there are wildflowers that actually grow in your yard a lot of people have never taken the time to go lay on their belly in the grass with a magnifying glass. And even little blades of grass often have little bitty flowers. They're so tiny you can't hardly even see. You go and lay out in the, the lawn or out in the field and you look down, way down. Like, wow, you look at a magnifying glass. Man, that's the most beautiful flower I ever saw. And no one will ever even see it if you hadn't stopped for a few moments to take a peek. And we're probably crushing them under feet all the time. Oh, we'll see some more of the bigger ones. But he says here, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you and do his best for you? Don't you think if he's going to take care of flowers, don't you think he's going to take care of you? That's what he says right here. Verse 31 says, What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied. Preoccupied is to be engrossed with anxious thoughts. He says right here, he says, I'm trying, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Is there a difference between just Getting stuff and receiving stuff. Let me tell you what I know. We have a dog, named Tracker. Tracker's a border collie. He's a real smart dog. It really is. When it comes time for me to train uh, to feed Tracker, I've trained him since he was just a little puppy. I'll come out to his pen with some food, and it can be the very best food that any animal would love. It don't matter what it is. Come out there. You know the first thing he does when I come out there to food? He smiles. Tracker always smiles, anyways. It's like, and then he starts wagging his tail, you know? And if he gets close to you, he'll almost knock you down with his tail, like boom, boom, boom. And I'll say, Tracker, sit down. Now he starts sweeping the ground because his tail's still going. And he's sitting there just smiling. He put his food in his little bucket there, and he go, okay. So he'll walk over there, but he'll look back, he go. I said, "Okay, okay." He's learned to respond and to receive. Now, do you ever, you ever known a dog when you come out there with the food? It jumps up, it's trying to get it from you, almost takes a finger off when it's getting it out of your hand. And Lord, have mercy on the person who tries to touch their dish while they're eating. (laughs) Mine, mine. That shows you two different kinds of people. Listen to what the Scripture says. Matthew 6, 31. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, getting. I just got to get mine. I I, I don't have time for God. I just got to, I work hard. I got to get mine. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Do not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. You know, the guy who's most successful, he has a relationship with the quarterback, and he does what the quarterback tells him to do. He's not running around trying to get the ball. He's just trying to respond. I'm out there, I'm out there. He told me to be here. Okay, I'm here. Woo! Receive! touchdown, we win the game. There's a difference between a man or a woman who's just trying to get theirs. That's mine. Instead of learning to respond and receive the best that God has for you. That's what we're talking about. Let's read that verse once again and we'll keep moving on. Verse 31 says, What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving and receive it, you know, from him. Verse 32 says, People who don't know God, people who don't know God and the way he works, they fuss over these things. If they don't have a relationship with God, they're always just trying to get what's theirs, just trying to get it. They don't know that God, if they're in the right position, they can just receive all the good things that he has in store for them. They don't know that, see. Verse 32, people who don't know God and the way He works, they fuss over these things, but you know both God and how He works. Well, if you'll study the playbook, you will. And then it says in verse 33, what's that first word there? Steep. Is that talking about skiing, you reckon, you know? No, it's, it says steep your life in God reality. Steep is kind of like... Uh, You know, you, you you open this thing up. You put a you know a bunch of your favorite tea in there. Fill it full of water. You put it on a burner. You bring it to a boil. You turn it down a little bit. You set it over here, and you let it steep. What happens when you let it steep? You got tea in there. You know, it's in the little screen basket there, and you got water down in there. But as time progresses, once you let it steep, there's an infusion that takes place. And when you pour it out, the the, the liquid that you have in your cup, you call it tea. Because an infusion has taken place. And the strength and the nutrients and the the essential oils and vitamins and all that has transferred now through the steeping process from the tea to the water. And you call the water tea. Tea. It's, it's been an, a miracle that has taken place there. I mean, it's, steeping is, is the difference. Now, when you get ready to eat, are you really ready to eat when you get ready to eat? It's just like, okay, throw it in the microwave, hit it for a minute, and a have to Okay, get it. Mmm, mm, nom, nom, nom. Mine, mine. Get your own. We don't have time for crock pots, do we? But the better the best food comes out of a crock pot, not out of a microwave. You know that, right? It's been cooking all day. Oh. Fills the house with aromas. And it's tender. Oh man. But we live in a world that's just microwave, microwave, microwave. We don't have time to steep. Listen to what the scripture says, since you understand steep now. It says, steep your life. In God reality. And and understanding and knowing that God is real and that God has a will. He has a playbook for you. And if you'll spend time, you can get to know him as real and he'll speak to you and he'll help you. It says steep your life in God reality. Steep your life in God initiative, in God's purposes, and God's plan for your life. Steep your life in God reality, in God initiative, in God provisions. Steep your life. Spend time getting to know the quarterback. Yeah. Something happens on the field. You're playing the game, but you see the quarterback and, and, and something's happening. You know that he, although he's sitting over here, you know he's thinking, go over this way a little bit. You, you have a relationship, you see. You know each other. You're almost thinking the same thoughts. Verse 33 says, steep your life in God's reality. God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. But so much of the time, we can't steep, we can't crock pot with God. I mean, it's like, I'm sorry, God, I can't go to church. I can't read my Bible. I can't pray. I got to go out and work hard for my family. I got to get mine. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten something you wish you hadn't have gotten? The mumps, maybe? The chicken pox or something? Have you ever got a car that you wish you'd have never got? You ever got a job? You go, oh my, I sure wish i never got that job. Sometimes we're out there in that dog-eat-dog world trying to get ours when we need to learn how to just receive and slow down and steep or crock-pot with God. Spend time with God, the maker of heaven and earth. He created you. He knows every flower, every blossom, and he knows you and he knows what you need before you even ask him. So it says here verse 33 steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met if you'll steep in crockpot with God. Verse 34 says give your entire attention to what God is doing When? Give your entire attention to what God's doing, not next week, but right now. What's God doing right now? What's God doing today at 1210 in this old building here? What's God doing in your life? What's God trying to say to you? What's God trying to to do? What wisdom, what's He trying to say? What's He wanting you to do right now? Says, give your entire attention to what God's doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. It might snow three and a half foot tomorrow. We may have a hurricane and a tornado and a tsunami all at one time. Lord have mercy. What if so and so becomes our president? Oh no. Now I believe that a man, I believe the Bible teaches us to be prepared. You know, God, you spend time with God. And all of a sudden you're at the grocery store and, and Lord laid it upon your heart. You, you bought extra groceries, more than you ever have bought before. And then you did have a snowstorm and your neighbors came and said, you know what? We don't have anything to eat. And the power's off for three days. Is there anything you do? You know what? It's just it's almost a coincidence. We, we actually have more than we really need. Why don't y'all come on in? wonder who gave you the insight to get the extra. You think God could do that? Did you spend time with God? Man, he can can make your life a whole lot better. Let me read this verse and we'll go on. Verse 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. You know, I read uh, years ago about this queen of a certain nation and she had a, a great friend. It was just above reproach. It was nothing immoral about it. She just had a great friend. He was a businessman. She loved his little business there. She patronized it, you know, and he was such a wise man. And from time to time she would ask him to do certain little projects for her. And and and, 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 and they really enjoyed each other's company and working together on little projects and all. And one day she said to him, she said, listen, I got something going on and, and it's out of our country and it's going to take a few months to do. And and I really, really would like you to go and represent me, but you'll be gone for a few months. And the businessman, he said, my queen, you know my heart. There's nothing I would rather do than to help you here. He says, but, you know, I, I've been able to take a day or two here and work on projects for you, as you know, and I've enjoyed it. he says, but if I'm gone for the months that you want me to be gone, my business will fail. And she made a simple statement. She says, listen, you take care of my business and I'll take care of your business. Now, when that businessman came back from his month's journey doing stuff for her, what do you think his business looked like? When the queen had said, hey, everybody all to do their shopping over here. <laughs> and he came back and, and the guy is looking, he's going, like, wow, where'd this big building come from? <laughs> all the supplies in here and all, and all these people. Well, let me tell you what God's telling you. God's saying, you take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. What's the Bible say? Seek ye first God and his kingdom and all the things that you have need of will be added to you. That's what the Bible teaches us, see. You put God first. Our priority as a believer is to seek and to find and to follow God's will. Seek it. Find it and follow it, and you'll be in the right position to receive the best. Or you can just go through the rest of your life settling for less. Or you can receive God's best by having a relationship with the quarterback who's the king of kings, the lord of lords. Understanding his playbook and beginning to apply those things to your very own life. This is what Jesus said. John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. Say what? Jesus said, well, who did he consult with if he didn't do it on his own? The Father. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will or the pleasure of the one who sent me, not my own will. Hmm. Do we consult with God? Do you consult with God before you make a decision? Think about it. We can expect God's approval on our plans if we've consulted with him. But can we really expect God's approval on our plans when we didn't consult him in the first place? We go, oh, God, why did you let this happen to me? And God goes, why didn't you talk to me about it? We want to blame it on God, but we failed to consult him first. Jesus said he didn't do anything without consulting the Father first. You spend time in the huddle, and you talk to God, and, and you learn the playbook, and God gives you the assurance, okay, that's a good car to buy. That's a good person to marry. That's a good business to have. This is a good community to live in. This is this, this, this. How many decisions do we make, and how often do we consult with God about it? Or wish we had consulted him. Have you ever got something that you wish you hadn't got? (laughs) And God would have said, you know what? That's not wise. That's not the way you should go. Just be patient here. And then you're patient and you go, oh man, I'm so glad. (whistles) Man, I would have got burned really bad if I'd have done that. Consult God. See, our tendency is of God bless my plans. God bless my plans. Instead of saying, God, show me your plan." that is already blessed. It's just like, Lord, bless what I'm going to get. Get, 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 get. Instead of just receiving what God has to give, and it is already blessed. There's just a couple different ways of doing it. You can do it your way, or you can do it his way. Think about that for a moment. Well, our time is really up, but let me share one more passage with you. It's found in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and you probably know it, and, and how many of you, uh, from time to time, complain? Okay. How many of you are complaining right now that I wouldn't even ask such a question? You know, why does he do this to us? You know, the Bible says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Concerning you. Did you know that? First thessalonians five eight. And everything give thanks. But do you give thanks in everything? Let me demonstrate for just a moment. Where's John at, who brought me my coffee? Is John still here? Or is he out doing something else? You taking somebody else's coffee? Okay, just hang right there, brother. Was that nice of him to bring me coffee? It's pretty good, but he didn't put near enough cream in it. Look at it. I mean, it's, it's not black, but it's almost black. I drink cream in my coffee. I mean, it could have been hotter. You can always find something to complain about if you're a complainer. But you're slap dab, out of bounds. And you're definitely not in God's will. It says, in everything give thanks. It's like, hey, thanks, John. Thanks for the coffee. You know what? I might not even use cream anymore. This is good. You know, seriously, the Bible says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. You want to get into the will of God today and start your journey in the will of God and learning the playbook? Well, begin to be thankful and stop complaining because every time you complain, you're out of bounds and you're not going to receive the best. It says it throughout the Bible. But in the midst of it, well, thank you, Lord. For, for all the times my coffee really had enough milk in it. you know, There's all kinds of ways to be positive about things, is there not? And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We can do this. To be smack dab into the center of God's will is to be thankful. Learning to, to do everything God's way. Following the playbook. And I'll promise you. I promise you. You will receive God's best. When you begin to live. By the playbook. If you ignore the playbook, ignore the quarterback, who's Jesus, and you live your life out of bounds, you're settling for so much less than his best. And he has so much he wants to bless you with. God loves you so very much. And he cares about you. And he'll turn all your disappointments into his appointments where you can receive something awesome from. Let's bow our heads together we can. Father, thank you for your word. We surely want to steep with you. We want to crockpot with you. We want to hang out with you and spend time with you and get to know you and your ways. Oh, Lord, we've, we have fallen short, yes. But you have told us in the playbook that you'd forgive us if we confessed it and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, help us to to get to know your will this week. Help us to discover the center of your will and to live in it and to to blossom in it and, and, and to accomplish everything that you've destined for us to do. Thank you for loving us and caring about us. And forgive us for being preoccupied with other stuff. Teach us, Lord, to receive. And not just always being out there trying to get, get, get. Teach us to receive your blessings. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer, to reaffirm your faith in an awesome God. And maybe you're here today and you've you've never received him, but you'd like to. So would you join us as we pray and welcome Christ into your life? Let's pray together right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me and I believe you've got a purpose and a plan for my life and it's good I believe that's why you sent Jesus and Jesus paid for my sins so I don't have to and Jesus rose from the dead so I can have an abundant life life in all of its fullness A rich and satisfying life. I believe that Jesus is alive. And I welcome him into my heart. I welcome him into my all. As my savior. As my Lord. And as my king. I'm sorry for the times I've let you down. And I thank you for your forgiveness. For your pardon. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right before you leave, there's a connections card. Probably there's one in all your seats there. And it just simply says, This week I am determined to diligently pursue God's will for my life and act upon it. If that's you, you say, I'm going to do that. Check it off. Drop it in the tithe box on your way out. If you prayed with me a few moments ago and you welcomed Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior, would you stop at our Connections desk on the way out? We put together a little gift bag. It's got a Bible, a movie, and some other little goodies that will inspire you. And if you're a guest, we have an awesome gift for all of our guests. Just tell them you're a guest today. One of our ways of saying thank you for being here and we hope you come back as we continue this lesson next week. If you need some prayer... We'll have some folks around the altar who will pray with you, and I'm telling you that God does answer prayer. So if you need some prayer, take.